wonderful, wonderful. We're going to go to Galatians, the book of Galatians in your New Testament. Galatians in chapter number two. What a wonderful song, mercy. Just beautiful, beautiful. I want to thank those who prayed for my eye appointment, uh, my annual eye appointment with my specialist down in Oklahoma City uh, this past week. I uh, really got a good report for those that don't know. I've had nine eye surgeries and I uh, have glaucoma, have macular degeneration, uh, see double consistently and all. I told the Sunday school class, that's a wonderful thing every time I look at my wife to see two of her. Okay, somebody that didn't get that whatsoever anyway. Uh, but I got a very good report. She said that the macular degeneration has not degenerated any further than it had last year. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thankful for that. The pressures of my glaucoma are down. I'm very thankful for that. Just going to continue to push forward. But I thank those who prayed and continue to pray for that. I thank you so much for that. Galatians chapter 2. Look down, if you would, to verse number 11 in that chapter. Galatians chapter 2. In verse number 11, the Bible says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we, also, uh, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the, the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I, I titled the message this morning simply, Yet not I, but Christ. It's all about him. It's all about him. Let's, let's pray and we'll get right on into it. <clears throat> Father, one last time, we just ask for your power, Lord, to preach this message the way that you would have it done. Guidance by the Holy Spirit and everything we say and do. And Lord, that you would just be honored and glorified in it all. And Lord, we pray for the congregation. 
If there's someone here that does not truly know Christ as their Savior, that you'd convince them that that is their greatest need. And Lord, for us that are saved, help us, Lord, to be more grounded in the truth when we leave here, more determined to live our life for you. Thank you for the good crowd today. We pray now that you would meet with us as only you can. And we trust you for these things. For we ask it all in the perfect name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. Here we actually have a conflict between Paul and Peter. And I know, I know, I know, I know. It's really hard to believe that uh, two Christians weren't getting along. But it does happen at times, you know, every once in a while. Uh, This problem had to do with legalism. And it's not legalism like a lot of people want to think about legalism today. That's another message. but, But legalism, believing that you have to do good works to get saved. That's what true legalism is all about. Um, Peter did great works for God. No doubt about that. I'm thankful that, that, that his example. But he made a few mistakes here and there. Anybody relate to that? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely so. I'm glad that we have Peter. <laughs> I'm so glad for the uh, grace and mercy of God that helps us to keep going. So Peter made some mistakes. So Paul confronted him, verse, uh, verse 11 there again. Uh, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I was to him to the face because he was to be blamed uh, for before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So Paul and Barnabas were working at the uh, First Baptist Church of Antioch and very apparently had invited Peter to come there. And this, was, this, was the, this, this church was a great church. I, I mean, in, in the, the first great, really Gentile church. Oh, preacher, what are you talking about Gentiles? Well, there were the Jews, the ones that had practiced Judaism, and then everybody else besides that were Gentiles. That's you and I that aren't Jewish. We're Gentiles. Thank God that he sent the gospel to the Gentiles. That's why we're sitting here this morning anyway. And so it was also the very first church to send out missionaries and it made, was made up mostly of Gentile believers. And so Peter joined in with them. He's working, he's fellowshipping with all of the Gentiles, but there were some uh, Judaizers that had showed up and it blew their mind really that Peter was fellowshipping with that crowd. Um, Even if they were Christian, uh, the Judaizers back then were stuck in their religion, although many professed to know Christ. However, they said if people wanted to be saved, the Judaizers said, if people wanted to be saved, that they had to undergo the ritual of circumcision, that they had to subject themselves to the law of Moses, that they had to adopt the ritual and ceremonies of the existing religion, and they had to practice the rules and regulations of religion, for example, uh, to observe strict food laws, which prohibited them from eating pork and meat that was bought in the marketplace. And they also had to separate themselves and have no fellowship with Gentiles who had not been circumcised nor subjected themselves 
to the law of Moses and the rules and the regulations of their religion. They put a lot on people, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely so. So when Peter saw, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, when they saw Peter eating uh, with the Gentiles, uh, they got on his case. What in the world are you doing eating with those people? Here's the sad part. Peter gave in to the peer pressure. And he stopped having a close fellowship with the Gentiles. And with that move, sad to say, came a church split at that time. The church was divided, which is going to happen to any church when, when the leader becomes a man pleaser and starts trying to appease uh, his critics. It's always going to happen that way. It's not supposed to be that way. And so that caused major problems. Uh, Peter and the other Jews separated from the Gentiles. And even Barnabas, it said there, even Barnabas separated and left Paul standing all alone to fight for the true gospel. Here was the problem. Peter had double standards. He had double standards. Look at verse 14 there again. It says, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Now it's really hard to think this way, but Peter was still prone to be a man pleaser. Peter, tough old Peter, you know, fisherman Peter, the one that had gone through so much. He, he was still tempted to be a man pleaser. And he ate with the Gentile Christians until the Judaizers showed up. What's the problem there? He feared man. He feared man more than he feared God. And his failure really was threefold. Number one, he was hypocritical. He said one thing, but lived something else. And number two, he followed the crowd simply because they put pressure upon him, even when he knew better. Oh, no, no, he knew better. I'll say it again, he knew better. Come on, you think that he would have learned his lesson when he was standing there by the enemy's fire and, and the cock crowed. You think that he would have learned his lesson there about being like that. But number three, he esteemed some people better than others, which we're not supposed to do. Somebody say amen right there. No, 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 no. We're never to look down our nose at anybody else because anything we are that is good is because of him. It's always because of him. So Peter was walking this hypocritical path. He was living one way while telling others to live another way. And when the Judaizers weren't around, he fellowshiped with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, that changed his tune. And so he even tried to compel the Gentiles to go through the ritual of circumcision and to submit to the law of Moses. You know, the fact that Peter could be led astray, listen to me, please. The fact that Peter could be led astray should be a strong warning to all of us. I mean, he had been through a lot at this point, hadn't he? He had experienced much. God had been very good to him. He had seen God do great things, not only in his life, but in the life of a lot of other people. He'd gone through a lot and still was quickly led astray. So we have to be careful. We have to stay true to the gospel or else we're going to be walking our own pathway. We're going to be doing our own thing. No, no, no. If we don't stay true to this book, I'm very thankful that God gave us the Bible. I'm telling you, I don't know how we would make it without it. 
And if we stay true to it, we can live a good Christian life. If we stay true to his word, if we stay on that path. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Isn't it an amazing thing that when you start trying to live for God, that people come from all directions and it seems like they want to pull you away from that path that you're trying to get on? Isn't it an amazing thing when you try to start living for God that all of a sudden there's all these uh, shiny things around that want to attract you to go to the right or to the left, that, that want to attract you to go back to where you came from? I'm telling you, that's no accident. We have a real enemy. And he does hate God and he does not want us to live for the Lord. So it's very important that we are true to this book, that we're true to this book and trusting God and, and, and allowing him to guide every step. So there was a problem here. Um, it was a problem of faith versus works. Look at verse 15 there. It says, uh, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For the works of the law, uh, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So what Paul was saying here, what the apostle Paul was saying here is this. All Jews who had believed on Christ had confessed the very same thing as the Gentiles had confessed. That a person is justified by faith alone and not by the works of the law. And by coming to Christ, the, the Jews were confessing uh, that their religion and the law were not able to save them. Are y'all following me here? No, no, they, they can't. Come on, we're talking about the Judaizers. We're talking about those that, that had all these different laws that they tried to keep day after day. And they were trying to keep those that they might be good enough one day to enter into the presence of God, to enter into heaven. And now they have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Um, and, 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 but they were, still, they, st they were still kind of stuck in the past with all of these laws and different things. We know this man who is imperfect and incomplete cannot be made perfect by law. Amen. The Bible says the letter of the law kills. Right. Oh, I'm very thankful for the Ten Commandments. And they're very good guidelines, if you want to use them in guidelines on how to live in this world today. They're very good guidelines. But the Ten Commandments were given by God, not that we could try to live up to them so we could make it to God one day. They were given by God to show us that we can't be good enough. That we fail on a regular basis. That there are things in our life that I'm telling you that we cannot measure up to, to God. Um, I mean, I mean is, is there a work that can be done or a law uh, that can be kept that will make us perfect? God says no. There's no work that's going to make you perfect. There's no law that's going to make you perfect. And if we are imperfect, everything we do is imperfect. Therefore, man is not saved by works nor by the law. We know that if our salvation is dependent upon some work or some works that we can do, then I'm telling, I'm telling you this morning, we are terribly lost according to the word of God. So what then is our hope 
in all of this? How can we become justified? How can we be made perfect? And, and how can we be made complete in the eyes of in the eyes of God. Well, it's really simple. We must believe in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. That's the only way. No, no, no. We put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the very begotten Son of God, the one that died for the sin of mankind and shed his blood, the one that laid in a tomb for three days and three nights, the one that rose from the dead victorious over death and hell and the grave. I'm telling you, we must put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ if we're ever going to be saved by the grace of God. It's the only, it's the only way. It's the only hope. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. We live in trying times, don't we? I mean, really hard times, truly. And uh, I'm, I'm afraid that uh, even, in the, even in our circles, uh, that we have to be careful, uh, that we're not dependent on our works to make us acceptable to God. Because it is not our works that make us acceptable to God. It is only the precious blood of Christ as we put our faith in him. That's the only way. That's the only way. Uh, no, he, no, no. I, I've already talked about living the way the Bible says, and we should be striving to do that with God's help. Absolutely so. But that's not why we're accepted in the beloved. That's not why we're accepted by God. We're accepted by God when we truly repent, turn our heart to God, and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and He justifies us at that moment. He's the only one that can, and He makes it where we can come into His presence. He does that. It's not by anything that we can do. It's not by any good works. It's not by church membership. It's not by catechism. It's not by baptism. It's not by any of the isms. It's only by the Lord Jesus Christ that we'll ever, that we'll ever get there. And so he goes on and makes this statement. Now get this. Look at verse 17. It says, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners... Is therefore Christ a minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. So here's what he's saying in this, basically, and, I, and I'm going to expound on it. Christ has not misled us. He gave the gospel, and he's not misled us. What, what are you talking about? The, the question is, could Christ, get this, Could Christ be making us sinners by our trusting that we are justified by faith alone? No, I'm telling you, that's what's going on in the mind of these Judaizers. Because they were so used to working, 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 keeping all these commandments, doing all these things. They were so used to that, that it's like, man, alive, but you know, but I'm supposed to be doing all these things. And so they had this question in their mind. And some thought the Apostle Paul was making Christ a minister of sin. And the reasoning went like this. Um, When men turned away from the law and trusted Christ for their righteousness, Christ caused them to sin because Christ made it easy for them to transgress the law. And so they said, I'm just telling you their mindset, they said that Christ tore down the law for he led men away from the law. He, he removed the restraints and the barriers of the law. Therefore, men became transgressors by rejecting the law. Now, we know that's not so. Christ came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And he did. 
He's the only one that ever has. He is the only one that has ever kept perfectly the Ten Commandments. He fulfilled, he fulfilled the law. So Paul simply says two things about the argument that they had. First, God forbid. Seemed like we addressed that last Sunday, didn't we? God forbid that something would be, some, something would be uh, like that. Um, second, he said the man who tries to keep the law makes himself a sinner for it is the law that condemns him. I'm letting that soak in for just a minute. See, when a man sees what God has done for him, it brings conviction unto repentance. He sees Christ bearing the guilt and the punishment for his sins. He trusts Christ as his only hope for salvation. Listen. And then he gets up to work in appreciation for the wonderful gift that he's received. Oh, man. Okay. <clears throat> One of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not lie. So man says, I'm really working on this lying thing. I am really trying hard not to lie. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. Oh, that's a lie. And so he lies, and when he lies, don't get this, he realizes, I can't do this. Uh, no, no. Come on, he realizes, I'm just a sinner. Okay, we could go to the terrible things, you know, murder and adultery and things like that. We could go to some of those, but I'm trying to keep it a little bit light here, you know. I'm a sinner in the eyes of God. So I need some help. I need some help that I can't do on my own. I have tried not to lie, not to be an adulterer, uh, not to be a fornicator. Uh, I, I, have, I have tried to keep God first and everything, but it just hasn't worked. So I need something more than that, more than just trying. Uh, come on, that's, that's what he's trying to explain here. That's what he's trying to say here. So when we get to that point, we realize I'm a sinner. Come on, and that type of conviction, that type of conviction leads to repentance. What do you mean repentance? You know, you're cleaning up your life to come to God. Oh, no, 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 no. We come to God just the way that we are. No, no, we realize we're a sinner. And then that repentance is turning to God. It's turning to God. Come on, it's a heart that's turning to God. Come on. I know, I understand. No, I mean, if we're turning to God, we are turning away from something, aren't we? Absolutely so. Yes, absolutely so. It, but it brings that place of repentance. Lord, I, I'm, a, I'm just a sinner and, and I need you. Come on, and at that point we see, we see Christ bearing the guilt and the punishment for, for our sins and trust Christ as our only hope of salvation. I don't know how it happened to you, but that's how it happened to me. I realized that there was no way I could be good. And then from that point on, April 1984, you get up and, and you try to work for the Lord because of the appreciation of the wonderful gift of eternal life that He is giving you. You think that, that you deserve to be saved? No, 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 no. You never deserve to be saved. You're saved by grace. 
through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't try to be good to earn our salvation. No, 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 no. But we serve out of an appreciation for the gift of eternal life. A true believer has to come to know, a true believer has come to know above all others that love, love is a much stronger force than fear. He follows Christ, does all he can to live Christ. Listen, because he loves Christ. But you can't love him if you don't know him. And the more you love him, the more you want to follow him. But you can't, you, no, no, no. You can't get to loving him that much more unless you spend time with him. We love him because he's done so much for us. The second Corinthians chapter five, verse 14 says this, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Man. Man. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'd come to church more often. It wasn't for all these rules and regulations and all this stuff they want to put on us. Well, what rules, regulations? I'm not sure what anybody is talking about in there. Well, that preacher, he gets up there and preaches out of that book, and man, it just sounds like he's trying to, he says it sounds like he's trying to change everybody's life. Uh, no, it's not the preacher that's doing it. He's just proclaiming, thus saith the Lord, with what God has to say about how you can live your life, have a productive life, have a joy-filled life. Uh, I mean, really, live a life that's not going to be a life of shame somewhere down the road. I mean, he's just trying to, well, I'll tell you what, you know, but I tell you, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I just fall in with all that stuff. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Let me stop you right there. I'm telling you, it shouldn't be any man that's compelling you. Oh, can encourage you? Yes. But it shouldn't be any man that's compelling you to live your life for God. It should be your love for Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Come on, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That's what keeps us going the right way. That's what keeps us doing the right thing. Our love for Christ. And you don't get that. Please listen to me. You don't get that by just coming to church on Sunday morning once a week. And not having any time with God other than that. And that's why a lot of people. I don't know why you made me stop right here. And that's why a lot of people get disenchanted with church. They get disenchanted with church. But I'm telling you. It's not. Church hasn't hurt them. Oh, I'm going to say it again. Church hasn't hurt them. Well, I tell you, that person in church. What? Let, me, let me stop right there. Let me stop right there. There's people in church. People make up the church. People are sinners. People can do stupid stuff. Oh, it's absolutely the truth. Am I good to say stupid? Anyway, I already did. It's over. So they can do stupid stuff. So, but it's not the church that hurt you. Just because somebody did something out of the character of Christ. Are y'all following me here? No, no, no. So we don't become disenchanted because some, somebody has done something that they should not have done. No, no, no. Because our eyes are, are upon the Lord. This is His church. It's His church. And the love of Christ constraineth us. We keep going and we keep doing what we're supposed to do because of the love of Christ. 
I, I, I want so badly for our young people to get this. I want so badly for them to get this. Because if you'll learn to love the Lord the way that you're supposed to love the Lord, you'll walk in the ways of the Lord. That's what constrains us. No, no, if we learn to love Him, if we learn to love Him, but we, we have to be willing to submit. We have to be willing to follow Him. We have to be willing to ask Him to help us to grow. We, we have No, no, no. And it's going to take more than just a Sunday morning service, isn't it? Come on. Uh, no, no. I mean, if we're going to thrive, if we're going to learn, if we're going to grow, come on. If we're going to have the joy of the Lord, I mean, really have that joy unspeakable. I mean, have that joy that can carry us through the hard times, through the dark valleys, through the stormy skies. If we're going to have that, it's going to take more. It's going to take more than that. It, and, and really, I mean, you really need to be in church every time the doors are open I, I, because, well, you're just trying to get me in church. Yes, I am. But you need to be in church every time the doors are open. Absolutely so. Because if you are, you're going to grow. You're going to learn the more no 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 faith coming by hearing hearing by the word of God and so the more that you hear but even with that all said three times a week Sunday morning Sunday night and Wednesday night is not going to be enough you have to spend time with God that's what teaches you to love him the way that you should spending that time with him asking him to speak to you through his word and that's not just for us old folks. I mean, that's for anybody of any age, anywhere that's willing to devote some time to the Lord. The love for the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ. And he, he goes on, because we thus judge, if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So we come to that time where we realize, I'm not supposed to live for me anymore. I'm supposed to live for him. But, Brother Marshall, that's hard. I know. And as the world gets more and more wicked, it just seems to get harder, doesn't it? But that doesn't mean, come on, please don't check out on me yet. That doesn't mean that it's impossible. Because the book says that we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. So we can have that walk with God and we can have that love for God if we so choose to spend that time with Him. Trying to live a life that pleases God is not legalism. Legalism is trying to work for God or be good enough to get salvation. Right. And none of us can do that. And then we live for Christ by letting Him live through us. Look at verse 19. We're almost done. Stay with me. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So we live for Christ by letting him live through us. We die to the law, if you will. 
The law, of course, shows us that we're sinners. The law shows us that we must be punished and separated from the society of God forever. The the law shows man that he stands no chance of ever being accepted by God, not if he has to approach God by keeping the law, because we can't keep the law. He just, no, 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 we cannot, we just cannot keep the law, not continually, not consistently, it's not going to happen. Because man is always coming short of the law and of God's glory. So the law condemns us unto death. And the only hope that mankind has of ever being acceptable to God is to die to the law. Come on, somehow, some way to be delivered out, uh, delivered out from under the law. To be removed so far away from the law that it has no bearing upon him. The first thing that a man must do in order to live for God is to die to the law and die to self-righteous works. Okay. That was a long way of saying this. I can't do anything to be saved. Christ has already done everything and all I have to do is put my faith and trust in him. It's not about the law. So, once we are saved, we live for God by being crucified with Christ. Wait, wait, wait. How in the world can a man be crucified with Christ when Christ died so many centuries ago, preacher? Well, when a man or a lady, a woman, boy or girl, trusts Christ as their Savior, God takes their faith and counts... um, and counts his faith as him, uh, as his having died in Christ. And he counts their faith as their identification with Christ in death. And he counts their faith as their having already been punished for sin in the death of Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, one of my very favorite verses in the whole Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So the believer lives for God by allowing Christ to live his life through his body. What are you saying? I'm saying there has come a time that we decide we're not going to be the one in charge of our life. We're not going to be the one that's in charge. By faith, by faith, we have died with Christ. Therefore, we are to allow Christ to live through us. We are to be so sold out to the Lord That he is in control. We let him be in control. And we know this. That once we are saved. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We know that. And he wants to have control. He wants that. The Holy Spirit of God. Who lives in a believer. He wants to have control. He wants us to yield. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Holy, H-O-L-Y, holy, 
acceptable, un, uh, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be, not, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we live for God by trusting the grace of God, that is, by trusting Jesus Christ, who is God's righteousness. Verse number 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. The word frustrate there in verse number 21 means to set aside or to void or to invalidate or make ineffective or nullify. I do not... I do not void, I do not nullify the grace of God. If a man sets aside the grace of God and seeks to be righteous by the law, listen, listen, then Christ died in vain. If we can be saved by any other way, then putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did for us, then Why did he have to die? Why did he have to go through everything he went through? He died in vain. Anybody that preaches that a man can be good enough, that he can work enough and keep the law to become righteous and acceptable to God, anybody like that voids and does away with the love and grace of God. I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful for the love and grace of God. Anybody that would preach like that makes the death of Christ empty and very meaningless. No, no, no. no listen to me. Please listen to me. I'm writing it down. I, no, no. Anybody that, no, no. Any church that says, well, to make it to heaven, you have to do this and then go through this class and then do this and then make sure you eat a wafer and drink some juice and different things. And then one of these days, you might make it to heaven. I'm not trying to be ugly or funny or anything but whatsoever, but I'm telling you, there are people out there that teach that type of thing and they're wrong. They're wrong because the only way to ever make it to God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to ever have hope of spending eternity in heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way. And the only way that we can live for God is by allowing Him to live through us. That's not legalism. That's just trusting God's leading. There's a lot of people that aren't doing everything that God would have them to do simply because God has spoken to them about different things and they've just said, no. No, Lord, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, know what, I know what the Word says, but I'm just going to go ahead and live like this. I know what you've spoken to my heart about, but that just ain't for me. But I'm telling you, every time that someone does something like that, they are just hindering themselves from having the joy that God really wants them to have. Well, I don't see that because that's just not what I want to do. That's just your old sinful nature that speaks up like that. And the whole thing is, is we yield to God and do things His way. Because of... (laughs) The love of Christ constraining us to do it that way. 
it just gets gooder and gooder. No, I know that's not good English, but it's good preaching. It just gets gooder and gooder. It does. It does. Because if we can't save ourselves, I can guarantee you we can't live for him by ourselves either. Not going to happen. Yet not I, but Christ. So what are we supposed to do, preacher? Well, a couple of things. If you're not saved, decide today to trust Christ as your personal Savior. And we'd love to help you with that. We'd love to to take you aside somewhere, take a Bible, and show you how you can get that all settled. Because you can. You can have... No, no, no. I mean, the Bible says that we can know that we've been saved by God's grace. And number two, if you already know Christ as your Savior, decide today to die to self and begin to allow Him to live through you. I mean, no longer pleasing self. But living your life in such a way that it pleases God. And you do that by living by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave His life for you. I have to do that a lot. Do what? Live by the faith of the Son of God. Well, how come? Because my faith is small. Brother Mike would say, I have crummy faith. You have to be here Wednesday night to know about that. My faith is small, but his isn't. I can live by his faith. What does that mean? That means that if the Word of God says that I should be doing this, and it speaks to my heart, then I should be doing that. And if the Word of God says that I shouldn't be doing this, and it speaks to my heart, then I shouldn't be doing that. And I'm telling you, there's no better joyous way to live this life than the way that God has for us. No matter what our flesh says. No matter how we feel about that. Yet not I, but Christ. God's so good to us. To make a way that we might know Him through His only begotten Son, but also to help us to live the life, to help us to live the life that He has for us if we'll truly just submit to His way. To His way. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one looking around for just a moment in respect of the Lord and those around you for just a moment. Could be that someone's in here and say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I'm not saved. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. But I don't want to die and go to hell. I, don't, I, I, want to, I want to get that settled. Preacher, would you please just pray with me about that? Well, you're here like that this morning. You're not sure you're saved. Would you let me pray for you? Just slip your hand up wherever you're at. And just let me, let me pray for you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I wouldn't call you out if I knew your name. Uh, I just want, would like to pray for you, preacher. I'm not sure I've got it settled in my own heart that I've trusted Christ as my personal Savior. Would you please pray for me right there? God bless your honesty. I appreciate that so much. Others, others, preacher, when you pray for them, will you pray for me? Absolutely so. Just slip your hand up. I'll acknowledge it. and We'll move on. Do you know Christ is your Savior? 
Are you sure you have it all settled? So very important. So very important. You're here this morning and you know that you're saved, but uh, you have some struggles. You know, living by the faith of the Son of God. Living the way that God, you know God would want you to live. You're having some struggles that way. Would you let me pray for you? Would you mind? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Preacher, I'm just having some struggles in my life right now. Would you please pray for me? Come on, nobody's looking around. I want to pray for you. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you're at and let me do that? God bless your heart. God bless your honesty. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All across. Thank you very much for that. You may put your hands down. Let's all stand to our feet. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you care about us and you love us the way that you do. And we're so very thankful that you would send your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for the sin of mankind, that we might know you, that we might know you in the free pardon of sin. And I'm thankful for the book that we have before us that shows us that there's no way we could work our way to heaven. If we were, if we were to live to be a thousand years old, there's no way that we could ever do enough good works to get to heaven. There's only one way, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray for those in here this morning that do not know Christ. I pray that you would convince them, convict them deeply that they might come to the saving knowledge of Christ before it's too late. Lord, that they might even come this morning and let someone take a Bible and show them how they could have that settled. Continue to work in their life and heart. Bring them to that place of salvation, Lord. That place of just yielding to you. And then of all the other hands across the auditorium, I don't know what's going on in people's lives, but you do. They do. And Lord, sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes it's hard. But Lord, you're always there for us. And you will help us. You will make a way if we just follow you, listen to you, adhere to your teachings. Lord, live the life the way that you'd have us to live our life. Father, I don't know what needs to happen in these next few minutes. But we're going to open up the altars. And I pray folks would come that need to talk to you. And they'd gain victory in their lives because of their willingness to do so. Save those that are lost. Help us that are saved. We pray and thank you for your goodness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to play. Some have already made their way to the altar. Why don't you come this morning? Need to spend a little time with the Lord. Why don't you come this morning? We'll not take long. I'm not going to drag anything out. Folks are praying. You need to come. You don't know Christ as your personal Savior. Why don't you come this morning? Let us take a Bible. Show you how you can have that settled. And you can't have it settled. God's never turned one away. You can get that settled this morning. Whatever God would have you to do, you let God have His way. Would you come?